Well, good morning. Good to see you. Um, if you have a Bible, if you brought a Bible, we're in 2 Peter uh, chapter number 1. Uh, if you do not own a Bible, there's a black Bible somewhere in your seat around you. If you don't own one, you can have one. That is a gift from us. Um, as a matter of fact, I would like to do better than that. If you don't own a Bible, just let me know that you don't own a Bible, and I will buy you a good Bible. I want you to have a Bible at your home. It's important to have. Um, we also are good with digital Bibles as well. Um, I always recommend uh, Uversion uh, Bible app uh, on your phone, you know, any kind of tablet or device. You can download Uversion Bible app um, on your phone. I use that um, a lot as well. And then we're also going to have the verses up on the screen for you. Uh, that's what, because the Word of God is important. It's important to us. It's 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 what um, encourages us and and challenges us and inspires us and motivates us and changes us, and that's what the Word of God does. So hopefully uh, you have uh, access to that. First, uh, Second Peter, chapter number one, and we're going to hang around there for the next um, four weeks. We're starting a new series um, that I call Character Under Construction. Character Under Construction. Um, a number of years ago, my wife and I bought a house, and uh, we were just getting everything together, getting ready to move into the house, and while we were getting things in order and getting our house in order and, and doing lots of different constructions and renovations to it, which is a lot of work, by the way, which character construction is going to be work. It's going to be effort on, on your, your part and my part to be the kind of person that God wants us to be. And so we're doing all this different work and renovations, construction stuff to our house. And while we're doing that, we're noticing that there's a lot of carpenter ants kind of going around the house, you know, and, and we all have those time to time where, you know, you see some ants and, you know, you, you kind of kill it and, and, and a few days later you see another one kind of crawling around on the floor and you pick that one up and kill it. Well, over the years we saw just a lot, a lot of carpenter ants. Well, one day I came home and there was carpenter ants spilling out of the walls in our porch area. They were just coming out, coming out, coming out, coming out. I thought at first that they were termites. That's what I thought. And I'm going, oh my goodness, you know, this is a problem. And come to find out later on, they were reproduced carpenter ants. We had a guy come over and he said, man, he said, you know, did you see any ants? I said, yeah, periodically we saw an ant here, an ant there. But he goes, man, he goes, what happened was that they, they began building up, building up, building up, reproducing, reproducing, reproducing. And after, when they get rattled, then they start spilling out of the walls. When something startles them, they start spilling out of the walls. And I got thinking about that. I'm like, that's a lot like our character. You know, we see things here or there that we go, ooh, I better take care of that. We see things that we want to hide and we say, oh, I better take care of that. I better deal with that. Or, and then over time, if we don't deal with the whole thing, what happens is, when something rattles us or something startles us or something, you know, big happens to us in our lives, what happens is our true character comes out. And this is oftentimes what happens to many of us when we have, go through an, an ordeal or a difficult situation or something, you know, startles us or something, you know, sort of challenges us in, in a way where we're, un, we're not expected. Who we really are comes out. Who we really are out. John Wooden, a legendary basketball coach, said this. He said, you know, we need to worry more about our character than, than our reputation. Because our character is who we are, who we really are. Our reputation is who other people think we are, who other people think we are. So we need to start thinking about 
when it comes to our character, we need to start thinking about things that we need to deal with. We need to start thinking about things that we need to address. Somebody once said this, and we're going to put this up on the screen. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. This is the process. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Character is simply um, a long habit continued. Character is simply a long habit continued. Um, Habits, there's an old Spanish proverb that says this, habits are first cobwebs and then cables. Habits are first cobwebs and then cables. It says the chains of habits are generally too small to be felt until they are too strong to be broken. That The chains of habits are generally too small to be seen or felt until they are too strong to be broken. That's how habits work. So over the next few weeks, we're going to try to establish some habits. I'm going to give you some thoughts. I'm going to give you some ways to act on those thoughts, to sow those thoughts as you begin to act on those thoughts. And then it's up to you to decide how you want to establish those as habits. It's up for you to decide. So we're going to think. We're going to create ways for you to take action when it comes to character construction. Take action in that. And then for you to that God desires us to have. So in 2 Peter chapter number 1, Peter sort of begins to talk about these characteristics, okay, these character habits that we need to establish. And what I want to do today is this. I want to sort of set the tone, set the scene for what God wants for us, for where we are, if you're, if you're, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, for where we are right now and what you have in, in your possession, to then what are the results of, of going after better character? What are the results of having better character in, in our everyday life? So Peter begins in verse number one. It says this, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, so those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. So I want to I, I mention that because I want us to understand, guys like Peter who we read in the Bible who did amazing things. Guys like John, who we read in the Bible, who did amazing things. James, the brother of Jesus, who we see does some amazing things. Um, We can go on and on and on and talk about Paul, the, the amazing things that Paul did. Listen, the reality is this, is that sometimes we compare our faith and where we are in our Christian walk, and we compare it with these characters in the Bible And we say, well, I'm not Paul, or I'm not Peter, you know, I'm not, you know, Esther, I'm not Hannah. And we start comparing ourselves to what the Bible gives us as different men and women who exhibited a tremendous amount of faith. And here's what Peter says. Listen, you and I, in this day and age, in our culture, in this city, in our community, we have the same faith. We have received a faith same kind as ours. And and here's what he says it is. He says that the faith that you have received is a faith based around righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Which means this, just like any hero in the Bible that you can think of, that you compare yourself and say, well, I'm not like 
David, or I'm not like, you know, Moses, or I'm not like whoever that is for you, that you look and say, I'm not. And, and, and Peter would say, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You have the same faith, the same kind of faith. And what that is, is this, is that all of us, including David and Joshua and Moses and Esther and Hannah and and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Paul, all of them, all of them have received faith under the same way that you and I have received faith. And that is this, putting our trust in the righteousness of Jesus. What that means is this, is that all of them were sinners just like you and me. Isn't that good news? They were all sinners just like you and me. They were all imperfect just like you and me. And all of us needed something that we couldn't attain on our own. All of us needed something that we couldn't work for or earn or, des- or deserve on our own. All of us needed the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We needed Jesus's righteousness in order for us to have a good standing with God. Moses needed his righteousness. David needed his righteousness. Abraham needed his righteousness. Peter needed his righteousness. Paul needed his righteousness. It is all the same kind. And we all needed the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we all needed. And that was given to us. Do you know what the Bible says about your righteousness and my righteousness? The Bible says it's like dirty rags. It's like filthy rags, our righteousness. Our, we are not good enough. We can't earn it. We can't get there. We can't arrive where we need to be in a good standing with God in and of ourselves because our rightness, our righteousness is like filthy rags. And so we needed the righteousness of Jesus. And when we put our face in Jesus, his righteousness was given to us. The Bible says this, that for he talking about Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. For he who knew no sin, Jesus was absolutely perfect without sin, became sin for us so that we may know the righteousness of God through him. Righteousness was given to us like a robe. We take off our dirty righteous robe and we put on that dirty righteous robe on Jesus. He paid for that sin and in turn he gave us his clean, pure, as white righteous robe and he put it on all of us to those who put their faith in him. That's the gospel by the way. By the way, what comes with that is the second verse in, 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 in what Peter says. Is in, in, what comes with that, by the way, that's called grace. That's called grace. That is, you get something that you don't deserve. That you and I get life and in, in, in forgiveness and we don't deserve that. That's called grace. What else comes with that is peace, he says. Not only do we get the righteousness of Jesus, and that is bestowed on us, but we get grace, and with grace, we get peace. And that peace, the Bible says, is a peace that passes all understanding. So not only do we get peace with, with a holy God, we get peace with him. And so instead of God's wrath, because he's holy and he's righteous, instead of God's wrath being poured out on you and me, it was poured out on his son. 
And that was his plan. Instead of it being poured out on you and me, it was poured out on Jesus. That was a part of his plan. So now when we put our faith in his son, we now have peace with God. That's an external peace. But not only that, but we have an internal peace. That's why Jesus said this. He says that in me, you can have peace. But in this world, you're going to have troubles. Meaning this, you're going to go through a life of troubles. But you know what you can have as you go through a life of troubles? You can have peace. And that's all a gift. That was all just given to us for you and me to receive. And that faith is in the person of Jesus. And so where we start, is point number one is this, that we have faith in the person, okay? Our faith is not in a idea. Our faith is not in a religious institution. Our faith is not in some sort of organized or set up religious scheme. Our faith, our faith is in the person of Jesus. That's what our faith is in. The one name that we're lifting up is not my name. The one name that we're lifting up around here is not the name Market Street Church. The one name that we're not lifting up around here is anyone sitting in this room. We're lifting up and we're going to make much of one name and his name is Jesus. He's who you need. You don't need more of me in your life. That's depressing. Ask my wife. You need... Jesus. She's shaking her head like this. Yes, she's right. Right. You need, you need more of Jesus, and, and our faith is in the person. You need to understand that your faith is put in a person for what he did, not an idea that he created. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. Jesus came to say, come and follow me. Come and receive me. I am the resurrection and the life. Don't even come and follow me for what I have to say or what I'm going to tell you to do, though that should come later on. You put your faith faith in what, who I am. That's who I am. Who I am is I'm the great I am. I am, he says, the resurrection and the life. That's who I am. I am the way, he says. I am the truth and I am the life. That's who I am. And so when you, little I am, put your faith in the big I am, then that's when God begins to explode something in you that you couldn't do on your own. That's the kind of faith that I hope that you're holding on to today, and only that faith came from the righteousness that was given to you, though you didn't deserve it. That's good preaching right there. I don't know what else is, but that is good stuff, and I'm exhausted right now, Coach Witt. I am out of breath. I am on a little bit of date. I'm still recovering from night quill, and then I moved into day quill, so some of that is, I don't know, the day quill is talking right now, I think, sometimes. No, hopefully it's the Holy Spirit talking, but our faith is in the person. Our faith is in the person, and here's what happens when you put your faith in the person. Look at what it says in verse 3. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. That his divine power has given to us, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. You see, we have faith not only in the person, but we have faith in the power 
We have faith in the power. When you put your faith in Jesus, you put your faith in the power of what this does for you. And according to Peter, that in us, instilled in us, is life and godliness. Instilled in us, given to us, is life and godliness. That's what's given to us. Now, that's not something that we... It's not something that we like get gain along the way as we grow up and as we mature as humans. That's not something that we gain along the way. That's something that's already in us. That's something that's already in us. That already built in us. And I see some little, little kids and little babies around the room and it's so, so cool to see. They have already in them. Amar, they have already in Joshua he already has life and godliness already built into him. That he has within him the ability to know what it means to have life, to have life. He already has, and she already has, these, these little babies, they already have the, built inside of them the ability to be godly. To be, and that word means, we're going to get to that in the next few weeks, but that means to be more like God, to be more Christ-like. And that is given to us by his, his divine power, that we have faith in the power that, that what this character construction that we're going to begin over the next few weeks, you can be better. You hear me? You already have inside of you life and godliness, you being a better person for the glory of God is already in you. That God designed you in that way for you to attain life eternal. God made us for eternity. That's why there's that vacuum inside of every single person. That Solomon says in Proverbs that there's a, or excuse me, in Ecclesiastes that he said eternity in the heart of every person. That there's an understanding in every human being, the desire to know something bigger than themselves. And God has placed that within us so that he, you and I can discover and know that there's been a gift extended to us and by faith we receive that gift and when we receive that gift of the person, what comes with it is the power, the divine power that is given to us that you can know what it means to have eternal life. And not only that, but you can know what it means here and now in this moment and in these years that you have what it means to be godly, to have godliness, to be like God, specifically to be like Jesus. And the character, the Christian character, should reveal Jesus Christ's character. The Christian character should reveal Jesus Christ's character. The goal, the goal, if, you, if your goal is not this, if the, if the ultimate goal for your life is not this, your goals, you're setting too low. Your goals are, 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 are too short. You're setting them too low. The goal for a Christian, here, listen, Christian, Christian, the goal for a Christian is for you to be like Jesus. And the Christian character should reveal Jesus' character. That's what it should look like. You say, oh, man, 
boy, you're telling me that I can be like Paul and I can be like Peter and I can be like James and I can be like an Old Testament character hero. I'm telling you, you can even be like Jesus. As a matter of fact, that's God's goal for you. To be Jesus in your school, to be Jesus at your work, to be Jesus in your home, to be Jesus to your spouse, to be Jesus to your kids. Because remember, they don't need more of you. They need more of Jesus. And some of you I know, and there needs to be less of you and more of Jesus. John the Baptist said, John the Baptist, Jesus said about John the Baptist, do you know that there's been no one born of a woman greater than John the Baptist? That was Jesus' statement about John the Baptist. What a statement. There's been never anyone born of a woman greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist's response was, I need to decrease so that he can increase. I wonder if there's a correlation there. Do you? I wonder if there's a correlation of you becoming less and him becoming more. I wonder if there's a correlation. I think there is. And John the Baptist, the greatest man according to Jesus ever born of a woman, said, I need to become less so that he can become more. Christian character should reveal Jesus in the world that you exist. That's what it should look like. That ought to be your goal. That's why it's under construction right now, church. Are you okay with the construction work that we have? It's going to get messy. It's going to get ugly. We're going to have to put up signs that say, pardon our dust right now, but I'm under construction because we all are moving towards something bigger than our, ourselves. That's where we're going. But you need to know that when you put your faith, you put your faith in a person, not an idea. When you put your faith, you put your faith in the power, in this, the divine power, the divine power. Now, he, he, look at what else he says, verse 4. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, So he's given to us, and and here's what he's referring to. He's referring to God's words. He's referring to God's promises. And these are precious, and these are magnificent. I'm telling you this, and that's why I spent a, a little bit of time at the beginning of, before I preach and tell you, find a Bible if you don't own a Bible, I will buy you a Bible. Download an app on your phone to get a Bible. That's why we tell you that we're going to subscribe. We got a subscription for you to call Right Now Media, which is, gives all these different Bible studies and resources for you. Why? Because here's what our faith tells us. Our faith tells us, and there's a misspell, Reuben, in a minute here. What our faith tells us is that it is precious and it is magnificent. And these what are the promises that God gives us. These promises of his word is what he gives for us. And he says, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world by lust. What that means is this, that when you put your faith in the person and you put your faith in the power, what happens is is that that has moved you out of your nature and has moved you in a divine nature nature. That's what it's done. It's moved you out of your natural bend of what you've grown up in and what you've learned and what what is predisposed already in you and what you've experienced. What happens is is that it's taken you, the power 
of, of the gospel has taken you out of your nature and into a divine nature. That you are now a child of God and therefore you can have the ability to act like God because you're his child. It's now in your nature. Now here's what we know. We, have, we put our faith in the promises. Hopefully you made that Correct. There you go. Faith in the promises uh, of what we have. And so that's where we put our faith in. We put our faith in the promises of God. That's where our faith is found. Now, here's what we know about nature when it talks about nature, okay? That we have, the Bible says that we have a sinful nature, okay? A sinful nature. But when we moved into faith in, in the person of Jesus, we've now taken on a divine nature, and we put our faith in the person, we put our faith in the power, we put our faith in the promises. And now here's what we know about nature. Nature determines appetite. Nature determines appetite. Guess what? Birds eat bird food. Dogs eat dog food. Cats eat cat food. Pigs eat slop, anything, right? We know that nature determines appetite, okay? Now, by nature, I'm an American, okay? By nature, I grew up in the Doke household, and in the Doke household, by nature, almost every meal was meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes. There was very little greens, because who likes that stuff, right? There was very little greens. It was just a lot of meat and a lot of potatoes. So by nature, and what I've experienced and through nurture, I was a, I'm a meat and potato kind of a guy. Now, my wife grew up in a little, where they had a little bit more, you know, and my mom's horrified right now. She's like, I had green beans and I had salad and, and she's going to defend herself. So she did. Okay. She did. She did. All right. But listen, these are how it works. Nature determines appetite. That's how it works. Nature determines appetite. Not only that, but nature determines action. Nature determines action, or nature determines, in other words, behavior. Behavior, okay? Eagles fly. They fly. That's what they do. Dolphins swim. That's what they do, okay? Rabbits hop. Snakes slither. Moles burrow underground. That's what they do. Why? Because nature determines action, okay? By nature, I view myself as somebody who is an active person. I like to stay busy. I like to, be in, I like to do things. I, I don't like to sit around. So by nature, I'm an active person. So therefore, as a result of, of that, as a kid, I grew up playing sports. Whatever sport was being played in the neighborhood, I would play. Baseball, football, basketball, hockey. I grew up on a, on a, on a, on a canal, and, and every winter we would go out and we would put boards around the canal and build hockey goals on e either side. And I, my dad would go and buy a bunch of ice skates and we would have friends over and we would play hockey on, on, our, on, our, on our canal. Why? Because I, by nature, I'm an active person. By nature, my brothers and sister were active people. That's how we are by nature. This is how it works in nature, okay? The third one, nature determines association. Nature determines association. Lions in prides, sheep in flock, fish in school, that's how they work. Nature determines association. So here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. 
based on how nature determines appetite and nature determines action and nature determines association, what he's saying is that now you and I have a divine nature and that should determine our appetites. In a divine nature, that should determine our action or how we act, our behavior, because we have a divine nature. By nature, that should determine who we associate with because we have a divine nature. That our appetites, as, a, as somebody who's in a divine nature, that our appetites should be pure and holy. That's what our appetites should be for, things that are pure and things that are holy. Because we have a divine nature, what our, what our, who, who, you know, our actions should be. Our actions should be selfless and humble. That's what our actions should be. They should be selfless and humble. Who, what was Jesus? Jesus was selfless and Jesus was humble. That was his behavior. That was his action. By nature, nature to determine our association. So as, as a Christian, who we associate with should be people that are like-minded in the faith, fruit-bearing, and on mission, right? The people that we associate with. Listen, they should be like-minded. They should, you believe something about who Jesus is and what Jesus expects, the way that you, your appetites are for things in life, how your behavior is, and who you should associate with, that should determine that because you have a divine nature. People that are like-minded, people that are fruit-bearing, and either, either hanging out with people that aren't like-minded because you're on mission. You're on mission. You are wanting them to know Jesus. Why? Because you put on a divine nature. That's how it works. So here's what the Bible says, okay? Here's what the Bible says about this. I'm going to give you a slew of verses. Colossians 3.10, okay? Colossians 3.10. And have put on, here's, how, here's another way to put it, the divine nature, here's another way to put it, Colossians 3.10, and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So according to Paul in Colossians, he says, listen, you put on a new self. And as a result of putting on a new self, you are being renewed You are changing in the accordance to the image of the one, Jesus, who created him. That's what you're doing. That's what Colossians 3.10 says. That's what should be happening to those who call themselves Christians. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, all new things, behold, new things have come. The old things have passed away. New things have come. Why? Because you are a new creature. That's who you are. You have a new self. You're a new, you're of divine nature. Okay, I don't think I've convinced you enough. Ephesians 4, 24, here's what it says. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness. What? Whose righteousness? Jesus' righteousness. And holiness. Whose holiness? Your holiness? Nope. His holiness of the truth. You have a new self. You're a new creature. Romans 12.2 says this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. 
Listen, you Christian that put their faith in the person have also been given the power and you have the promises and you have a divine nature that should radically, listen to me, Christian, that should radically change you. There should be a radical difference between before Christ and now that you have his divine nature in you. There should be a radical difference. People should see that there is a massive change in you because you have now put off the old man, the old self, the old nature, and you have put on a new nature, a new self. You are a new creature, and that should radically, can I I say that enough, radically transform you because you are his, and the image and the goal for you And the goal for me is to become like him. And here's the danger. And I put a big but here, okay? But if we feed the old nature, then it it will crave, behave, and associate with old sins. You have to understand that. If we continue, are you with me, Christian, okay? We're under construction. It's getting messy in here right now. I can feel it. If we continue to feed the old nature, the old man, the old person, then it will crave because that's what nature does. It will behave because that's what nature does. And it will associate with old habits and old sins and you will never be the character that God has intended you to be. Are we okay? Boy, you're regretting showing up today. I understand. But this is worth it. This is worth it. And I'll tell you why it's worth it. I'll tell you why it's worth it. Here's why it's worth it. He says this in verse number five. Verse number five. He says, for this, uh, verse number five, I'm sorry, Ruben. He says, for, for now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith supply. Okay, so now we have faith in the person. We have faith in the power. We have faith in the promises, okay? We have been given the righteousness of Jesus. We've been given his godliness. It's in us. It's instilled in us. He's given us life for that. He's given that to us. He says, for now, for this very reason, applying all diligence. This is where the habits come in for us. Applying with all diligence. That word diligence means to do whatever it takes until the job is done. Do whatever it takes until the job is done to make sure that you're doing everything that you can until the job is done. And you need to, and I need to apply what we're going to go into over the next few weeks. We need to apply with all diligence, whatever it takes, whatever it takes in your faith supply, in what, in what will help you. And what will, that word supply means supplement. Okay, supplement. Now we have thousands of different supplements out there, don't we? There's supplements for everything. Probably the most popular one is a diet supplement, right? Right? 
as you, in, in order for you to lose weight, you need to establish healthy habits. It needs to be a lifestyle change. But isn't it good to know that out there, there are supplements to give you that boost? That's what we're going to get into over the next few weeks. These supplies, these supplements for your faith. Your faith in the person, your faith in the power, your faith in the promises. What we're going to talk about is faith in these things, okay? Now, it takes, now faith is not a feeling, faith is an action. Faith is, don't tell me you have faith. Don't talk about your faith. I want to see your faith according to James. We don't have time to get into that, but according to James, he said, listen, listen, don't tell me you have faith. Show it. Prove it. Let's see it. Like this is where the rubber meets the road when it comes to the Christian life. This is where the church either stays where it's at or begins to move forward. It's people that decide, listen, I'm not going to just come and sing about my faith. I'm not going to come and say amen to the preacher about my faith. I'm not going to come and say, you know, oh, wow, this is great. This is incredible. This is about you taking these things and me taking these things and applying them with all diligence so that my faith will increase, so that your faith will increase and expand. That's what this is about. Don't talk to me about how great your faith is. Show it. Show it. Faith that is alive. Here's what James, the brother of Jesus, would say. Faith that is alive works. You hear me? Faith that is alive works. Dead faith is when we talk about it. Dead faith is when we sing about it. But James says, faith that is alive, that works. And so here's where we're going to get into, and I gotta, we're going to move through these quickly, and then we're going to spend a lot of time over the next four weeks, okay? Here's what I want to do. Verse 6, here's what he says. So here's, here's the supplement. Here's the supplement that we're going to get into over the next few weeks. I hope you come back because I'm telling you, you this is, your character is at stake here. You becoming Jesus and you living out this divine nature in you, okay? This is you doing everything in your part, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna begin to start th thinking about these. I'm going to give you ways to act on these things, but it's up to you to establish the habits of these things so that you can have the character that you're supposed to have as a child of God, if you're a Christian. Here's the supplement. He says this. Um, go, go, start in verse 5 for me, Reuben, because I think that's where it starts. Now, for this very reason, applying all diligence in your faith supply, then the rest of the verse. We didn't get the rest of the verse? Okay. And he talks about, um, I'll read it for you. He says, he says uh, applying... Uh, where are we at? Now, for this reason, applying all diligence in your faith supply, he says, moral excellence... Moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, and here's where we're going to pick it up, knowledge. Knowledge. So we're going to talk about moral excellence. We're going to talk about knowledge next, next week. After that, he says self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about these supplements, this supply to add to your faith. 
The faith that you already have, the faith in the person, the faith in the power that you already have life and godliness in you, it just needs to come out. The faith in the promises that God has given us these promises that we have, and, 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 he, and with these promises, he's given us a divine nature, and that we have abilities to, to live these things out, that you have the ability to live with moral excellence, you have the ability to live with knowledge, you have the ability to grow in your self-control, you have the ability to grow in your perseverance, in your godliness, in your brotherly kindness, and in your love. You have the ability to do that. That is already in you already in you. If you're looking at these, this list and going, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm here to tell you, yes, you can. It's, you can do it if you have the power of the person of Jesus in your life. Yes, you can do it. Yes, you can. And the results, we're going to get to the results right now because I want you to be motivated to want to do this, to apply with all diligence this stuff. The result is this, that you're going to be fruitful. You're going to be fruitful. That's a result of it, that you're going to demonstrate fruit. That Jesus said, somebody asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, how, do you, how will we know if they're a follower of you? And here's what Jesus' response was. You will know them by their fruits. You'll know them by their fruits. That you will be, I'm telling you, if you apply these things with all diligence, if you add these supplements to your faith, you will, it's a, it's a guarantee. It is sowing a thought into an action, an action into a habit, a habit into character. It is, I'm telling you, the result of that, the re, you, what you'll reap from that is a whole lot of fruit. You will live with a moral excellence. You will live with a knowledge. What that means is the ability to handle life successfully. You will live with a self-control. You will have perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. You can have these things. I'm telling you, but you have to be willing to, over the next few weeks, apply these things with all diligence to add these supplements to your faith. And you will be fruitful. Peter tells us that. He says, if, they, if, for if these are yours, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, the qualities, if these qualities are yours, you will not be useless. You will be useful. You will have you will not be fruitless. You will be fruitful in your life. Boy, I, I want to be more useful, don't you? Don't you want to be more useful? Don't you want to have more fruits in your life? Want people to exhibit and see things, see Jesus' character inside of you? I hope you do. We can go after, we're going after these qualities because you can be fruitful. Not only that, but look what it says in verse 9. We can have, verse 9 says, For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins, having forgotten about what it was like in their, in their old life when they were still in their trespasses and they were still dead in their sins, what it was like to be in there. Listen, we've forgotten. Listen, those who lack these qualities are blind or short-sighted. 
Now, just because you attend a church doesn't mean that you're not blind anymore. As a matter of fact, there's a church in the book of Revelation called the Church of Laodicea. The Church of Laodicea was known for being a lukewarm church. And the description for this church in Laodicea was this, that they were rich and they were content and they didn't need anything. They were lacking in nothing. That was the description of this church in Laodicea. But here's what Jesus said about the church. Even though they're rich, even though they're content, and even though they don't feel like they lack in anything, they are blind, wretched, miserable, and naked. That was the church. That was the church who thought, we don't need anything. We're good. I'm good. And maybe if you're sitting here, you're going, I'm fine. I got enough moral excellence. I got enough brotherly kindness. I got enough knowledge. I got enough love. I got enough perseverance. I got enough self-control. By the way, you're already lying to yourself there. If we think that we are, you know what we are? We're blind and we're short-sighted. So what I want to give you and what, more importantly, what God's promises want to give you is they want to give you vision. They want to give you vision. I want you to be fruitful, but I want you to have vision. I don't want you to be blind or short-sighted. I don't want, the last thing Christians should be in this world, the last thing the church should be in this world is a bunch of people squinting around, trying to see what's going on, trying to see God and what God is doing. Listen, I'm telling you right now, We need to collectively, as a body of Christ, in the church of Wald Lake called Market Street Church, we need to have some more vision. We need to see things clear, and and we need to see things of the way that God sees them. But if we lack in these qualities, we're just blind, short-sighted. And we're not bearing any fruit. And we're just sort of stumbling our way through trying to figure out what this thing is called church. What does it mean to be the body of Christ? So as a pastor, let's have some vision, huh? Let's have some vision. And I want to say to you this, man, I'm telling you right now, what I pray for, what I want God to do is I want God to make an impact in an incredible way, an amazing way in this community. I want us to be a church that is just reaching people for the gospel of Jesus Christ because there is life in Jesus. There is power in Jesus. There are promises in Jesus. There are other things you can supplement your faith through Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you right now, man, I want all of us all of us and have vision for that and to see that for who he is because other people are walking around blind and short-sighted and they need to come and they need to experience Jesus. I love the story of the blind man who people were questioning him about who Jesus was and all he said was, listen, I don't know who he is. All I know is this. I was once blind but now I see. Anybody here can attest to that in this room. I was once blind, but now I see, and I want all of us to have vision for what God 
wants to do in and through you and in this place and in our community and however far God takes us, I want us all to be able to have the vision to see that there are people that need to know Jesus. They need to know Jesus. Because in him, there's life, there's godliness. But in order for us to have, be fruitful and have vision, we need these qualities. And we need to apply them with all diligence. Okay, church? We're under construction now, church. We just knocked down some walls today, I hope. My goal today was just to take a sledgehammer and just start pounding. I, I wish I could actually do that. Like, just knock something down. I wish I could. But I hope we did something spiritually today. I hope we did. Let's pray. God, thanks for the day. Thanks for who you are. Thanks for the opportunity to have your nature in us, that we are, our old self is dead and gone, that we are a new creature, that we have a new DNA, and that is a part of your, your sons and your daughters, part of your family. That's who we are now. God, I, with that, we just want to be fruitful. We are fruitful when we apply these qualities get into them over the next few weeks. We're fruitful and we have vision when we apply these qualities. And Lord, I just want us to all see clearly, to see what you see, to see people that need you, see people that are struggling or battling. God, that we see them the way that you saw them. I pray, Lord, that we look up, that we look up and we see that the field is white for harvest. I pray that we're not the Laodicean church that just is settled and content and feels like they don't need anything. They don't need to change. They don't need to be any different. But the reality is, is they're wretched and they're miserable and they're blind. I hope that that's not what we become. That we have vision to see the way that you see. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day, everybody.